Welcome back to the Foreign Policy Profcast. My name is Mark Melton, and I am the Managing Editor for Providence. And today we are joined by Trillia Nubel, who is the Acquisitions Editor at Moody and the author of several books, including God's Very Good Idea, If God is For Us, and many others. First off, Trillia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Providence has run a few articles talking about race and racism and the, especially after the George Floyd murder and also all the protests. And just last week, my home state or where I'm from, Mississippi, took down the uh, Confederate banner off its flag. So this is an issue that has been very, very in the news cycle lately. And uh, Trillia, my first question is, how should Christians think about race and racism? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's interesting because the con. The topic concept, however you want to say it, of race is so broad. And insofar as there are lots of definitions for, and some would say that um, race as a, as that label isn't accurate or isn't a good descriptor. So, so for me to try to define it would take probably the entire of all of our time together. So I will talk about racism. Um, so there, it's clear in the scriptures that there are ethnicities. There are different people um, made up of different cultures and colors and, and tribes and tongues and nations. And so the problem we have is really a Genesis 3 problem. We um, are sinful and therefore we relate to one another in that brokenness often. And that can lead to racial pride, which is could be considered racism, um, the sin of partiality. We can uh, disassociate ourselves from others based on race. Um, and so racism is, is, is just any type of arrogance, pride, hate, um, associated uh, when we when we hate based on the color of someone else's skin, and so it is something that has um, been a not just a scar, but a devastating aspect of the American culture since its inception. So, what role does the church play in these issues? Well, that is one of the things that I would like to to rename it as not as much an issue, although it is an issue, there are issues that come from it, but this is about people, people made in the image of God. So the church, we have God's word to help instruct us, guide us, and teach us what we should believe about other people and how we should interact with other people. So starting in Genesis 1, I already mentioned the Imago Dei, the image of God. And then if you go all throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, God in his word gives us a beautiful picture of what the gospel accomplishes for us, what Jesus accomplished for us so that we can interact well and with love. Um, And Jesus gave his disciples a multi-ethnic mission to go and make disciples of all nations, Ephesians 2 talks about the reconciliation of that, that um, Jesus accomplished on the cross, that the veil of hostility has been torn in the body of um, Jesus. So making one new man, the Christian man. So cosmic 
our cosmic reality is that we are united. The reality on earth is that we have not gotten there. Um, but that is what has been accomplished for us. And we know that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be worshiping together. And throughout the scripture, um, God rebukes those who uh, sin against others uh, based on ethnicity. And so, so the church has the best news, the good news. So what is, how are we supposed to, or what is the church's role in this? is to apply that good news and to proclaim that good news and to respond with that good news in mind. So we are to love our neighbor. We're to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. It changes the way when we look at the George Floyd murder, for example, it changes the way we respond because it's another image bearer taken in a way that is um, unacceptable is a, an understatement. And so it's, it's, it's um, in, unjust, unjust. And so we need to um, measure our thinking and our response based on what we know to be true about the word and about God and about people. And so the church, we have we have the goods to speak into this well. We just don't always do it. So how well has the church done in addressing racism? Well, historically, we know we've failed miserably. The Southern Baptist Convention, for example, was birthed in segregation and on slavery. And so I, I just think if you, if you look at Historically, I, I would say we have, and, and again, I'm speaking very specifically to the United States. I'm not speaking, thinking about worldwide. So we have, we have done poorly. And, um, and you will see churches who have uh, stood up for justice and um, different clergy who walked in, marched in civil rights movement. So we know that there are churches that have spoken out, but historically it seems like, and even today, um, we're, a lot of churches are just now kind of waking up to the reality that this is a deep problem. It's a, I mean, we are divided. And I, I believe statistically we are seeing an increasing amount of African Americans leaving evangelicalism as a result. And so we need to we need to do better, clearly. But I am hopeful. Um, and I do see, especially after George Floyd, I have seen people who would normally ignore this or not really think it's part of their problem, who are are resisting apathy and and saying, speaking up and evaluating how they do ministry. This is good news. But historically, I'd say we have failed in this area. And, and that's something that we should lament, but um, not something that I think isn't something that uh, we can repent of and turn and change and, and continue to move forward. Pragmatically, like... How should Christians address racism? For instance, I know uh, I've seen churches back home in Mississippi. So growing up, like there weren't any multi-ethnic, multi-racial churches. And when I moved from uh, 
Mississippi to Virginia a few years ago, there were a couple of few, not many. And within that, I saw like there were pragmatic things that they were trying to do to help integrate some of the churches on Sunday mornings, especially when you would have a predominant or what used to be a predominantly white church in a uh, African-American community and trying to reach out to those uh, trying to bring those people in on Sunday mornings. And so I didn't see a lot of that, but I definitely saw some, a few churches trying to do that. And so my question is like pragmatically, like what do you think Christians can do to try to uh, help address these issues of racism? Yeah. So pragmatically you can open your mouth and, and speak out against it. So, and that may be as simple as talking to your neighbor and when you hear something that's an error, not absorbing it, not pretend, not pretending like you didn't hear it, but actually speaking out against it. And, and in an area like Mississippi, that may be a lot more radical and, and hard to do than maybe in somewhere like think of a more diverse area. It may not be as hard. So, so it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's a, are we willing to speak up for truth and speak that truth in love? So that's one thing is actually speaking. Another thing is opening your door and, and um, getting to know those who are not like you. Um, and, and this isn't some kind of putting a Band-Aid on a very deep-rooted problem. It's one step, one, one step into um, understanding others so that you can love them well, so that you can gain it only benefits you so that you can gain understanding and so that the gospel could, could be proclaimed and go forth and it could be a, a picture of what it's going to be like for eternity. And then if you're talking about churches, you want to be real careful not to try to steal um, members, right, from other existing churches. So I wouldn't say you go and try to pull churches um, members out of a predominantly black church, that's not what we need to do. But can that pastor of that one church that's predominantly white and the black church pastor, can they get together and can they, um, can there be some way that their, their churches do ministry together? Yes, they can do that. But I would be real careful with how we approach those things. Um, but in regards to ministry together and walking together, absolutely we can and we should do that. And then I think be, being aware of what your community looks like and what's going on in your community and being a voice um, for those who are underrepresented and and giving giving them a place, a platform so that they can um, speak obviously for themselves. But I think sometimes we, we're 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 insular we're we're in our own churches in our own places that we're not really aware of what's going on in the community at large so i think um being a little bit more proactive in your community when and where and possible i think is also a something that you can do tomorrow and and isn't a difficult um endeavor i think trying to make a predominantly white church a multi-ethnic church is hard so it's not impossible but it's difficult because it, you can't just change the cosmetically you have to change the culture and it's worth it to 
to change the culture of your church, but that's something that's going to would take a lot more effort and steps that I think is worthwhile, but is again something you would have to think through and talk about in a greater way than maybe we have time for. But I think it's it's a worthwhile pursuit. Yeah, and some of the churches that I'm thinking about, they were churches that because of white flight, they were all like they started off in an urban area and then they moved out to a different or they were going to move out to a different county and they may have started another church there but there was like we still have this building here and there were people who wanted to stay in that community the way i think that church did it was it was it's very it was almost like a, a completely new church with completely different worship style like it was a melding of worship styles that like when i visited you would have singing hymns from you know, Scotland and England alongside more gospel music. And the uh, pastor was African-American, but there was a mix of elders and deacons from across the community. And I believe, like, I don't know, they did a lot of like local ministry trying to reach out to people there. But yeah, like just watching that, you just saw how difficult it was to try to strike that balance because I think that a lot of people get used to, I mean, it's already difficult sometimes to get uh, churches to uh, change worship styles to make it more contemporary. Um, I remember my pastor here in Virginia talked about how he gets more emails about the worship music than anything else. And he felt like that was like the least most important thing that was talked about on Sunday. Like they wouldn't get emails about the sermon. It's so interesting. <laughs> and that Yeah, it's it's hard to please people. And so I think that's something that pastors are going to have to really pray and consider and think through, do, do the work of ministry, be faithful to it, uh, preach the word of God, be faithful to it, evaluate, be aware of what your people and what they need, but you're only going to be able to do the best that you can. And we will never please every single person, which is why multi-ethnic ministry is really hard. Um, because you just, there's going to be a lot of desire. I mean, think about the desires in the church when you're homogenous, you know? So I think, um, I think do it's worth the risk if, which is sad that it's a risk, <laughs> but it's worth the effort. It's worth the pursuit. It's not going to be easy. And I think, I mean, you have to count that good costs. I mean, you're, you're called to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we, we want to do that and whatever it is that it, it's just not going to be easy. And, um, because we're dealing with people and, and that's, I think, okay. It's just, there's so many desires and, and you'll just have to prayerfully consider what it is that you want, what's the DNA of your church and how how you're going to walk that out. But I, I am not surprised to hear that music would be something that, um, because it's, it's worship. And so it's, it's not a surprise to me that that would be a dividing factor. Um, I know in my own church that is predominantly white, I can struggle with our music at times. And, and I, I went the moment they play something that's a little less, um, contemporary, I, I get really excited. <laughs> so, so I think, and, and it helps me, it helps me worship. So I, I think those things are really good to consider. 
so that you can serve your bot the body um, well. But it's also hard, and and you have to just count those costs. One of the other things, kind of talking about pragmatically, that I've heard about that I'd like to hear your opinion on is the idea of reaching out to people who are like a half step different from yourself. So, in other words, it could be like if you are, it could be a coworker. Like, so you have something similar. You both work at the same place, but there's a half step difference where they might not be Christian. They might you know, come from a different socioeconomic background or whatever. And the idea is like, it makes it easier to reach out and to preach the gospel or to demonstrate the gospel to people who uh, you're not just going to someone who's completely different than you. And like, if everyone does that in the church, then you're reaching a much wider community. Does that make sense in this context at all? Yeah. So you're saying, how do you relate to someone who Maybe yeah, maybe your socioeconomic dif- there's a small difference there, or I I just really think it's a matter of loving your neighbor as yourself, and so we're that doesn't mean we're going to all be. It's not about kumbaya, right? It's not about let's all just be buddies, or it's about love, which is death, like die to yourself, and so if you are going to. You, that means you, you have to evaluate your heart. Where are you biased? Is there sin of partiality? Why wouldn't you relate to someone who's a half step difference? I don't, there's no reason not to engage that person or, and the person who is, um, has a different religion, religious background, you same, you, you engage that person as an image bearer made in the image of God. And so there's really no reason that you can't pursue that person in love. So I, I just think um, we have to ask ourselves, what is our, what, why the hesitation? Is there something in me that I need to confess and repent of? Is there something that in me that needs to change that's hindering my pursuit of love? Within the church, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ because of what Christ has done for us. And so we are family, and that changes how we view race and how we view racism. And when we deal with the rest of society, though, we don't have that same common ground. So how should Christians address wider society within this context? Your, your example of our uncommon ground which is funny enough, a book I contributed to with Tim Keller and John Unazu, um, but makes me kind of think of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. They had absolutely nothing in common. He should not have been speaking to her because it, by society's right standards, because she was a Samaritan woman. So that's one she was. Um, and, and there was a div- division in the culture. Um, she was a woman. There was, there was, and, and she, she was alone, I believe, if I understand. Yeah. And so there was so many different reasons why, um, there, there shouldn't have been a, any reason for that interaction. And yet he was kind of subversive, right? So he, he went against culture, went against society, went against the law of the land. And, and so there's something about the way I think we view people that is so opposite of how Jesus interacted with others. And so we should be able to engage the world and 
interact with those who are, uh, we have not a lot um, alike without this fear or judgment, it will speak something to the world about who we trust, where we rest, and, and that, that, that we, we do value people. If we really are people who are supposed to be lo- loving our neighbors, valuing all, then, then we can show it by our love for people and how we engage them. And so I, I think that some of these differences and divides are, are so anti-Christian. <laughs> They're so ag- against what we, we profess that if we do it even slightly, the world's eyes will peek up like, oh, there's something different. And we can say it's Jesus. So my final question is, do you see any hope for the future? I think you already addressed this a little bit, but what hope do you see? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, of course, the eternal hope that I have. Um, and and that, to me, is our ultimate hope. I just know that one day all things are going to be made new and this will be gone and we will not have every tear will be wiped away, all the confusion gone. And, and so I just, I'm so grateful that for that truth and that that's our reality. That's our reality. Um, but for today, I also do have hope because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so even if we, we, we are going, it, it, it may be growing pains. In other words, we may weep more before we see that joy in the morning we may um we may feel that the tug of divide more before we see the unity but it's going to be worth it i think there's a lot of pruning that's going on right now so i have hope that we will grow because things are being revealed that um like nothing i've ever seen and so i i think that because that pruning that we're experiencing the repentance, the confession, the, the, the kind of awakening to our, our divide that is, that is, this awakening is also dividing us more, if I may. Like there are some people who are, <laughs> who are pushing against any of these ideas that, that, and, and so, but I do think that, that there's going to be a greater, awareness, but also repentance, which it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's his kindness. So that will, that um, will help us to engage better um, in this conversation. So I believe that this is going to, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do, but I think it's going to be painful in the process. Well, Trillia, thank you so much for speaking with us today about these issues and the racism in general. And so thank you again so much. Thank you. 